Hello, friends. Welcome to the Best Speech Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Pacquion. And this week, we've got Danny Coke Balfour on the show. I've seen Danny speak. She's so good at it. Let me tell you about her. Danny is a designer turned illustrator, advocate, speaker, and entrepreneur. She's the founder of Oh Happy Danny, which is also her Instagram handle. Uh, that's a lifestyle brand and educational platform that uses artwork and resources to encourage hope, inspire justice, and make complex ideas more accessible. Last one, a particular key. Uh, she's driven by her desire to help everyday advocates do good daily in their spheres of influence using their passions and skills. And she's fostered a community of over half a million people. That's pretty crazy. Over half a million people across social media. She also has a passion for helping brands deliver messaging with light and with truth. She's creatively partnered with Fortune 500 companies like Target, Adobe, Home Depot, Dell, and Meta. I still want to call them Facebook. I just think it sounds better. Uh, also relevant, Danny and I spoke at the same event last November, and I was enamored, and I just felt to myself, we have got to have this woman on the show. So, Danny, let's start here. I was thinking this is like Celebrity Jeopardy or Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, where like the celebrity is playing for a charity. I donate $50 to a charity of your choice. What charity should I be donating to? Let's do Corner to Corner. They're a nonprofit that helps Black entrepreneurs get their start with their businesses through like Love education it. and programming. They're awesome. Love it. Corner to corner. All right, Danny. Uh, one of your Instagram posts recently, this is interesting. This is not what I thought I would start with, but here we are. One of your Instagram, <laughs> you made a post recently. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember, you know, like Instagram just like shows you certain people's comments. And one of them was from, I think it was like Jenna Fisher, maybe. It was someone like that. Jennifer, so Pam from The Office. And I was thinking to myself, like, whoa, like, this is the woman I met. Like, I did not know that, not know that she had that reach. You are, <laughs> I, I think meeting you in person, you were, you were very kind, unassuming, humble, all these good things. Um, not that you have to be arrogant to have Jenna Fisher follow you on social media, but that, that was just so interesting to me. And I think in general, your style was really interesting to me. So I thought we'd start off with some basic speaking questions and then... Uh, and then I, I would love to chat with you about your style. So speaking is not your biggest thing, but it is a thing for you. Yes. How many speeches a year do you do you wind up doing? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, probably like five to ten. Not many. So uh, what 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 makes you say yes? So I think brand alignment first. So I want to. I'm very picky because the nature of what I do and the subject matter, like I do, I talk a lot about racial justice and social justice on, in general. So I like to make sure that I'm partnered with brands or organizations that know that going into it and are not trying to set me up, first of all. Right. <laughs> but also, you know, share a lot of those core values that matter to me. And also on the other side of things, I know we met at an event that was more for creative entrepreneurs. And so I love talking to them as well. So I like art talk and creativity and small business talks. So it's either one or the other. And the energy that it takes to do this work every other day kind of makes speaking often and traveling often not super practical for me in this current season because I just moved and got married. Mm -hmm. So yes, that's kind of the landscape of my speaking career right now. <laughs> and as best you can assess it, like 
What has speaking done for you business-wise? I mean, you don't have to, I'm not talking about like money necessarily, but just how has that advanced things for you or what, what, what has that done for you? Yeah, I think speaking as a whole, I really enjoy it because I enjoy the teaching aspect of what I do. And I feel like speaking is not always teaching, but it is adjacent. And yeah. so I find it super easy to, to share my story. And I often find that people really enjoy hearing about my story, which is cool. That's like a great thing. And so sharing my story and then also getting to share the knowledge I have from, like I said, small business stuff to justice stuff and everything in between. I think it's been a cool kind of side project yeah. to do alongside the art and the content creation that I do full time. How did you get started? I mean, is this something going back to middle school, Danny was the person who would get up on stage or was it someone asked <laughs> you one day and I was like, oh, I guess I can figure that out. Right. That's a good question. I took a speech class in college because I had to. It was either speech or something else. And I don't remember what the other option was. <laughs> I just didn't want to do that. So I took, I went to Georgia State University and my speech professor was, his name's Dr. Richard. I need to send him an email and let him know like, yo man, you really helped me in life. <laughs> but <laughs> it was in that class where I learned like the fundamentals of speech. So he talked to us about like the clicks we sometimes do in our mouths that you know that spit sound right he was like don't do that he talked about pacing back and forth uh not doing it too much but also moving and so you know the general speech tips that most people have heard who study and take speech but then we had to prepare an end of this semester speech naturally and so i did one and it was all about purpose which is so interesting because i did a talk at the conference we were both at about purpose right and so that was my very first speech ever, really. And at the end of it, on the rubric, he wrote at the top, I'll never forget it. He wrote, wow, you are an amazing speaker. It was an honor to have you in my class. And he underlined honor twice. Oh, my gosh. I got a perfect score. And I mean, I was one of the last speakers to go. Everyone else had already done it. So there was four people left in the classroom at the moment when I gave my talk. And I, I was just like, yeah. Just another person giving another talk, but he really let me know that speech was a thing that I was good at, according to him. So, I mean, yeah. Listen, this is what I'll say as someone who uh, I was an adjunct professor of speech for nine years. Oh, cool. Someone who showed they cared and brought energy just stood out so much. And the funny thing is, that's still true. I mean, it, it is less obvious. As adults, you know, in, in college, there are people who very obviously didn't do the assignment and they're literally brought a note card up there and they're reading it. And that, that doesn't happen so much. Adults read off the slides. Uh -huh. Is it still the people who bring energy and have an emotion that makes all the difference in the world? So let's I wanted to talk to you. Uh, this is a nice segue. I wanted to talk to you about emotion and tone. Your Instagram before the show I was telling you this. It's like I had very lightly research you. When I say research you, I mean, probably read your last three Instagram posts or something like that. Your Instagram posts, at least at that time, were leaning into a little more of your advocacy type stuff. And so the, the tone of that sounded, uh, let's just say confident, right? Like confident, this woman knows what she wants and has a point of view. Let's say that. So it's very easy for that person to come on stage and uh, come on stage with a lot of, with a lot of fire. And, th and that might work. 
what stood out to me, and one of the things I was so enamored with the way that you speak is you had a you had a huge range of emotion. I mean, the way that I described it to other people is uh, if you were a singer, that that's what they would say. She's got a great range. I mean, you're funny, you're conversational, authoritative, the whole thing. Is that is that just that's who Danny is, or is there a little bit of there's a stage persona? Have you have you had to have you had feedback on any of that, and someone ever told you like do this, so you adjust it, or is that just is that who you are? I honestly think it's just who I am, and I'll say this because. My approach to the brand, Oh Happy Danny, a lot of people think it's very interesting that I will approach the illustrations that I do. For my work, for anyone who's not familiar, I do illustrated infographics about racial justice. And so I'll take the topic and I'll do illustrations that are very lighthearted and jubilant and colorful. And yeah. so people will see that and they'll be like, oh, how cute. And then they read it and then they're like, reading oh the school to prison pipeline and it's like whoa i did not whoa so i've had a lot of people's first interaction be with my work be that of oh this is a pretty fun joyful thing and when i lean into it i'm seeing that there's a lot of depth and nuance and you know a severity to it a sense of seriousness mm -hmm. and so i think that comes through in the way that i speak i really think i get up there and i'm conversational and I'm my natural kind of joyful self but I'm talking about real things and so I think that the messaging and the severity of that comes through also so I think it's just serious stuff packaged up in some fun yeah that's kind of how I approach yeah. the work well I mean what I would add with that it's, it's bright colors it's colors that attract right so it's it's right when you say colorful it's like there's design to it it's not just someone randomly saying, oh, let's use orange here. But there's there's right. a sense of design to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got to see you speak at a creative conference. It was the topic is is not social justice. I mean, kind of is, but that wasn't the yeah, overt wasn't. topic. Mm -hmm. So when you when you speak on something that is social justice or something along those lines, you show up as the same person, conversational, funny, authoritative. That's a good question. So not exactly. I think the very first speech I gave as Oh Happy Danny yeah. was in 2021. And it was at a conference that had to do with culture and from a faith-based perspective, how to approach cultural conversation. And so I went in and I gave a talk called The Cycle of Inaction. It's based on an illustration that I did. That talks about after every like horrific injustice, we go through this cycle of, yeah. oh, that's so sad. But, and we're shocked and we're confused. And then we, we feel like we're supposed to do something and it's often performative and we burn ourselves out. And it's like, you know, and then it's just a cycle of, uh, yeah, I can go yeah. into details. I don't have to. Yeah. You get it. So yeah. <laughs> that illustration I actually created on January 7th. Uh, so, you know, the day after January 6th. Yes. And so yeah. that was fueled. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it is that next day. But that was fueled by um, all that took place on January 6th that year. And so I put all that energy behind the talk that I gave at that conference because the tone was very different. It was very much so like a call to action. Like I'm saying this and I mean it and I'm serious. And here's a sad story followed by 
here's what made me draw, followed by here's what you're called to do as a result of this thing. So it was very much more of a persuasive type of thing versus me just sharing about my journey and my story and how someone can learn from my story to identify their present purpose, which is the talk you saw me give. Yeah. So, yeah. That other talk, it was only nine minutes to the to the minute. We had to be nine minutes or less. And I was very to the point. And I had notes. And I was sticking to them pretty well. So it was a whole different tone. But are you still, are you still smiling and... I'm probably not oh. making jokes there, but you know, no. are you still happy, Danny? That's my question. Are you happy, Danny, or is that oh serious, Danny? <laughs> so I got up there, and the very first thing I said was hi, and everybody laughed because it was so silly. Like clearly, it's a <laughs> clearly it's a serious environment, serious topics. And I get up to the mic, I put my iPad down, and I'm like, so I didn't mean to make a joke. I was just trying to get settled in to this yeah. kind of talk I had to give. So, yeah, I'm still happy, Danny. But then I'm saying the thing because I only have nine minutes. I need you to hear right. what I'm saying because it's serious. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did that end on a uh, high note's the wrong way of saying it. But was there is there does it end with like hope at the end of it? It ends with hope. And I cried at the end of this talk. Mm. My very last few words were like broken. The words broke because I was oh, about oh. to cry. <laughs> oh, oh, dang. yeah. Man. So like my, I was trying not to cry the whole time, but the last maybe three words, I like choked up, and it ended on that note. Um, yeah, but it was cool. It was great. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's standing ovation or close to it. They were very hype. Yes. Yeah. That's and the funny yeah. thing when when I've coached people, nobody wants to do that because it feels awkward but it's like the more emotion you put into it that the emotions actually what elicits the audience response is what i'm saying and i think mm-hmm. everybody th- runs from that but that's actually the thing that's most helpful mm-hmm. um okay this is the part that stood out for me so we we spoke at a conference called spark show at spark phoenix or outside of phoenix and tempe and there's something that happened in your talk. There are actually two things that always stand out to me. One was just funny, which was you walked behind the screen and then you made fun of yourself <laughs> for it. Yeah. Uh, but the the more relevant thing, and I think this is like this is this is a clip that I am going to show so many people because what everybody is scared of is what if I forget what I am going to say? What happens if my mind blanks? That actually happened to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was panic but your mind blanked so i'm gonna play the clip uh, i'll play the the 10 seconds leading into it and then you actually say out loud something to the extent of i have no idea what i'm supposed to say or <laughs> something like that so i know you probably don't uh love watching yourself we're gonna play this oh i'm gonna look at it oh great yeah 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 this <laughs> is real here we go i also think your hobbies I use the paint palette for me naturally, but your hobbies are also where you can often find your skills. Not because everything you try is something you're going to be good at, but because the more you try it, you're probably getting more skilled at it. And so I'd say hobbies are a great way to identify what your skills are. And then, of course, I don't actually remember why I included the chat level. 
Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's what. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Amazing. They literally were like, "Oh, it means that you probably met," and that was a great. That was great all around. No regrets. <laughs> I laughed through that. I should have allowed the audience to hear the real. It was. It's so. It's five seconds of silence. There were audience people saying, but five seconds between you speaking. Yes. Unintentional pause. Let's let's call it unintentional pause. Yes. So there is something interesting that the audience is shouting things out. That means that they're with you. That means that you won them over already, right? Um, there's another version that is you have not won the audience over, and they're shouting out things like you can do it, and that you know what that doesn't help someone do is remember what they're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. But that one, you clearly want the audience over. However, what I wanted to ask you about is, I mean, I don't know how well you remember that moment, but you're just like, I don't have any idea what that chat bubble was for. What's going through, as best you can recall, what's going through your brain in that moment? Yes. So people who are listening probably don't know this, but I had no notes. So I'm up there going off the dome with my cute little illustrative slideshow with no words on it. Well, on that slide. So I literally didn't help myself in any way be able to quickly recall what that is. But in that moment, I truly, honestly, didn't think much of it. I was trying to get more specific on like a sub point. So I was trying to identify that, you know, you can find your present purpose by looking at your passions, your skills, and the needs that you see in the world, right? And so we talked about passions and all the different kinds of passions, but the point was passions. So they get it. And then we went to skills. You can find it in your skills. And I gave examples of skills, but they got, they understood. So I didn't actually have to harp on the fact that I couldn't find mm -hmm. a third sub example to my sub point that supported my main point. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal in my mind. I was like, yeah, yeah, you get it. You get it. Next. So that's kind of what was going on in my head. I really didn't think much of it. I just mm -hmm. kept going. Five seconds of silence. Not that big a deal. Just kept going. Yeah. Yeah, just people think and, that's the end of the world. Oh no! Especially if you can be like casual with yourself in in certain moments. I know a lot of speeches are high pressure, but in that moment of already, like you said, establishing some sort of relationship with the audience where it feels like they're with me, they nobody's watching you speak and being like, "Oh, I can't wait for this person to fail." Yeah, I yeah. really hope they don't continue. No one's really thinking that, and so they're like. If they're with me and they want me to succeed, they're going to naturally probably be like, oh, this makes sense. And so I can take that and be like, OK, not only are they with me, but they get the point I'm trying to make. So I can just continue and it's not a big deal. I haven't failed to communicate this point. You made such a good point there. Yeah, nobody's in the audience or it's very unlikely there's someone in the audience who's sitting there hoping that you fail. Ugh. She forgot what she's going to say. Unfollow. Like that is, yeah. that is, that is unlikely that that existed, but I love, I love that tip. Just keep going. It's not that big a deal. Be casual about it. I know some people, it's like, you can see them losing it. You can see their mind racing. An example. Did you ever see the, you know, who Michael Bay is like the Hollywood transformers explosion guy. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see the clip of him losing it? Oh my gosh, Danny. All right. So he is at some big conference and he's supposed to introduce futuristic, awesome TV. He's meant to be reading off of a teleprompter, 
but he's just supposed to be talking and saying something about why people like his movies. Like it's it's not it's not hard. Teleprompter goes out. Well, first of all, you can see even before the teleprompter goes out, you can see how nervous he is. He's he's standing very rigid. You yeah. can see him clenching his hands. Teleprompter goes out. He says out loud the teleprompter went out, and then he turns around. And he says, I'm just going to wing it. And here's a really interesting thing about that clip. And I think I've talked about this before, but really interesting thing about that clip is the moment he says he's going to wing it is when people pull out their phone as if they're like what they heard is, oh, I'm about to see a train wreck. And they sure did. Oh, no. Because he hit a point where he could not speak anymore and walked off the stage, leaving the MC to just say, all right, Michael Bay. Congratulations on not doing that. Wow. He's a whole actor. I would have assumed he could have just been like, well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But everyone Listen, has those days. Yeah, everyone has those days. But I do think that that's a good tip. Well, anyway, that's a good thing to go through, Ed. Well, mm-hmm. anyway. Anyway. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, let's yeah. make this happen. <laughs> I'm curious, do you deliver the, well, I guess you don't give the same talk every time, but that creative, the creative talk, is that, same thing every time do you change it a little bit how, how does that talk vary yeah i have a list of talks that i like to have someone choose from and then i tailor it to the audience i'm talking to so i gave a lot more creative entrepreneurship examples in that talk so for example i talk about identifying a need that you see in your community and using that to make it part of your good work part of living out your purpose and so I said, for example, as a designer, one thing that I'm going to try to do is donate a brand identity to one organization per quarter. That's just a cool way that I can afford to give back. And so that that resonated with them. They clapped. I did not expect that. was not planning for them to yeah. cheer that on. But I was like, okay, cool. They They think that's cool. It probably resonates with some of them. The wheels are probably turning. So yeah, I just tailor... So my examples yeah. to who I'm talking to. Yeah, that's really smart. I think a lot of people give the same exact thing. And if you can at least switch the examples, that makes people feel like you've thought about who the audience is, which if you're in the audience, you want to think that the speaker wants to help them. So that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you have, uh, is there a speaker that you try to emulate? Is there someone that really outside of your speech teachers or someone that really affected your speaking style? Hmm. Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I have been inspired by different styles of talks that I've seen. Like there's an artist that's local to here who has a really awesome platform, Brad Montague. I don't know if you've heard of Brad. And in the name, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so he does talks with fully illustrated slides in the background assist him in telling his story and I thought that was such a fun a fun thing some people love props and and slides some people hate them and think that they distract I think if done well they can really aid in your storytelling and I think storytelling is what keeps people engaged so I've inspired by I've been inspired by talks that I've seen that implement creative strategies for like engaging the audience yeah freaking engaging the audience or with the slides so i I wanted to ask you about that too 
because you have the mind of an illustrator and mind of a designer. Most people don't. Uh, most people treat their slides as um, almost like no cards for the talk or alternately they might have like pictures and gifts like gifts are pretty big these days but your mm -hmm. your strategy seemed to be a little bit different so mm -hmm. in looking at the whole thing of you're going to write the talk and you're going to have slides and you're going to deliver it what what role did the slides have because the slides your slides are illustrated and they're not just reiterating what you're saying out loud yes so i wanted the slides to I guess serve two different purposes. One for me, be able to support me in continuing the talk when I'm giving a 45 minute talk with no note. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay, those are kind of going to be some note hints to keep me guided along the process. But for the audience, I kind of wanted them because I, my primary tool of communication is illustrated infographics. So I want to take a very simple infographic and have it up there so that if that's the only thing that they remember, I want them to see that and be like, yes, my present purpose can be found in these four things. And so coming back to it, helping them lock that in their mind, and then also pretty little illustrations that don't have much words to support them. So you're right. forced to still listen to me and not just read what I'm going to tell you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it has the perceived value of something that was drawn. There was thought put into it. But it's not replacing the talk. I love it. Yes. Okay. Uh, question about, because you said your husband is a preaching pastor. Mm -hmm. You're not speaking as much as he is, but mm -hmm. you have you have an instinct for it. I'm curious what that is like. Do you, do the two of you help each other? He's awesome. He's very encouraging. And he is convinced that I'm a better communicator than him. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. He, in in his context, he relies on, you know, one point. He calls it his main thrust. And it's the one point that he drives home throughout the sermon. Because his end goal is a little bit different than mine when I speak. His end goal is, I want you to take this one thing from this and apply it to your week. And keep it in your memory. Hmm. And that's not necessarily my goal. My goal is more so to inspire, to tell you a story and to tell you my story. And you adapt that however you see fit in your own life. Even if you don't remember my details, maybe it gets you thinking about ways that you can write your own story. So our end goals are different, but I learn a lot from him. He's very funny. He uses a lot of anecdotes like Marvel stories. And yeah, he's very I funny. remember that. I wore my Spidey shirt for you. <laughs> You remember, did I tell you that before? You mentioned at some you mentioned something about him like in comic books. I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, he's a big. So that's what I wondered. Is he ever? Does he like sit around the house and he's reading? I don't know, Spider Man or Black Panther, and he's just a thousand like, percent. So he's like, when Black Panther fights Modok, he's really fighting pride. Like, is that is that like a <laughs> <No>. sermon illustration? <laughs> what? <laughs> he'll he'll mostly use he'll mostly do a brief summary of the plot of a story like for example uh i don't actually know an example example because i'm not really into it like he is but he'll be like oh last weekend we finally saw ant-man and the wasp boy quantum mania the yeah. audience would be like because they all just saw it too and then he'll do a brief synopsis of a part of the plot and then he'll say that it reminds him of 
this aspect of something in scripture or this story that he found in scripture and then he'll release the analogy and stay focused on he'll stay focused on scripture he won't try to rewrite things and make it weird <laughs> we don't need that and when paul need- rudd said this yeah, exactly <laughs> no <laughs> no 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 it's really like when jesus says Oh gosh! Um, what's the what's <laughs> what's like the most random anecdote that you can remember him using? They're always so random. He well, are he you are about... you involved in his sermons? That's one of my questions too, actually. Oh, he's he's careful to not involve me, uh, because well I don't always want to be an example. I'm a daughter of a preacher, so hmm. I've been examples. I'm good on that. <laughs> but he used an example of how. He was talking about patience and he used an example of us being at Disney World and there was a couple in front of us in line. Every time they were given instructions, they would not do them when we were all doing them. And so they were holding up the line. For example, they'd tell us to go into the pod and they would like take pictures and like kind of hover and then eventually move towards the pod once redirected. And he talked about how his patience would continuously wear thin until... I, he did involve me in this one part until I told him, I don't think they're from the United States because I heard them speaking another language. And he said he immediately was like, oh, man. And felt, you know, and described how he felt in that realization. And then he tied it, that feeling to patience. Yeah. And describing that. And so that's what he'll do. He'll tell the story. He'll drop the story and move on to the value or the virtue that he's trying to i love it tell the story drop the story move on to the virtue that is uh that's a wise format i'll tell him Uh, danny (laughs) yes you should should. uh danny we our guests always end with two questions uh one is a speaking tip one is a story let's start off with the speaking tip as a reminder it's meant to be a speaking tip that is unique to you so not necessarily found in a textbook if someone wants to be like danny coke danny coke balfour now sorry i just upped the ante too much just what's this <laughs> like if they want to emulate you what's what's their starting point let's let's take it down a few notches mike just what's a tip one thing that i try to do is to for a moment in time make the stage my home i i try to remember that for the next 30 minutes it's mine. I mm. can move about it how I want to. People don't know how nervous I am. They don't know how much I know or don't know. They just know that for the next 30 minutes, they hope they're not bored to death and they hope they get something out of it. So I can become this wonderful character of a person who is not necessarily a new character. I mean, a wonderful, you know, embodiment of who I am in my fullness. I don't have to shrink. I don't have to do any of that because this stage is going to be my home, my place. And the people here are here for me in that moment of time. I have their undivided attention. And so I don't let that intimidate me. I just get comfortable with the fact that, yeah, this is mine right now. And I can do with it what I want. I can tell whatever story I want to tell. And I know that we're all in it together. We're in it together. I love that so much. It's a sacred place. Yeah. it can be what yeah. you want like in my mind i'm kicking off my shoes i'm getting comfortable mm. 
in my mind, I'm kicking off my shoes. Oh my gosh, it's such a great image for how the stage should feel. But I think the other side of that is a lot of people get on stage and they think everybody's looking at your shoes, looking <laughs> at whether there's scuffs on your shoes. They're right. New. Yeah. People don't care about us as much as we think they do. <laughs> they don't. That's a good life statement. And certainly a speaking <laughs> statement. Uh, all right, Danny, we always end with a story. So this can be a story you've told from stage. This can be a story from that just popped in your head from when you were four and stepped on a rake the wrong way. I don't know why that just jumped to mind. Uh, but we, uh, we, we always end with the story. So let's hear it. Okay, I'm going to tell a story that I like to tell often. It's kind of the reason why I got started in the work that I do. So, in 2019, I was working for an event planning agency. I went to college shortly before that. I graduated from college with a degree in hospitality business administration. And I wanted to do event planning. I thought that was my career and how I would spend the rest of my life. And I got that job and I quickly realized that I was not cut out for event planning and that it's not how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. I didn't have the attention to detail. I didn't care about the scheduling. Just not my thing. But my way in the door to this business was marketing and graphic design. I'm self-taught in both. And so I joined as a marketing coordinator. And so small business, I'm the only black woman on the staff. And there's maybe about 25 of us. And so day after day, I'm loving the job. I'm loving the people. But every once in a while, there's a microaggression, a slightly racist statement that is said, a full-blown racist thing that is done. And it started to become a bit too frequent to where I started to become quite uncomfortable. So mm. I talked to my boss one day. I said, I'd love to talk to you about this thing. Could we get coffee or something? He's like, ah, go get coffee. And so we go to a coffee shop and we have a seat. And I begin to tell him all those things that I just told you that I'm experiencing. And I give him very specific examples. And I end with asking, what if we invested in some sort of like DEI training. Maybe we just bring in a speaker who we know and love and just have a lecture, maybe something to dip our toes into the world of DEI in the office. And I'll never forget it, but he told me, you know, I don't understand why I would do that. I'm not, not passionate about it. I don't know why I would spend company money or time investing into something I'm passionate about. And in that moment, I'm like, Yikes, what okay. a strange answer. Odd. Oh, it's yeah. specific. I was like, wow. And then he ended by saying, you know, I don't see color. And so while many people say it to say, I'm treating you the way you should be treated regardless of what you look like. He was saying it in a way that I received as, I'm not seeing your problem right now. I'm not seeing mm. what you're dealing with. I'm not seeing how you're being affected by the culture of this company. And so I took that to mean that my long-term well-being would not be taken care of at that company. So I started my quit plan and saved up a couple paychecks and quit a couple months later. And I said, I'm going to dedicate the work that I do to supporting organizations who care about justice, empathy, inclusion, and diversity, and supporting them through graphic design and marketing however I can. And it's through that that Oh, happy Danny was born. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Give thanks to that guy with the weird answer. Shout out to homie. Yeah. 
I just, I can't get over the passionate part because using that logic, whatever, you've played this out a million times, but like using that logic, you would never get new software. Yeah, we would never do anything yeah, well, that we weren't what office thing, obsessed with. What yeah. office thing would exist? Yeah, exactly. I'm not exactly. passionate about sandwiches. By no. your, like, what, what in the world? That's a good story, Danny. Thanks. Sorry you endured that. I mean, thank you for the work you do. Yeah, um, it's all good now. <laughs> yeah. In the moment, that was something, I'm sure. Um, Danny, how can people find out more about you, follow you, and the work that you do? Yes, I am at Oh Happy Danny on all social media platforms that I like. And my website is ohhappydanny.com. We're reopening it's Danny the with shop. an I. Yes, Danny with right. an I. Yeah. One N, one I. Danny Coke, you're the best, my friend. Thank you so much for hanging out, chatting with us, telling us not to freak out when we forget what we're going to say on stage. It is <laughs> this much is really fun. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> me I had a great That's time. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Ladies and gentlemen, the Best Speech Podcast has been hosted by me. I'm Mike Pacquion. It's been edited to some degree and produced by Alicia Otieno. The music you're hearing is from Jonah Ramey. Check out Danny Coke and check us out at bestspeech.co. Until next time. I just did the click thing, Danny, that your speech teacher would tell us not to do. I just did it. Until next time. <laughs> do good things out there.